Welcome to the Business Finishing School Podcast. Stop the insanity. Eliminate the chaos. Bring simplicity, probability, and leverage as operating values into your business and personal life so you can do more, earn more, and improve your relationships. This is Business Growth Simplified. Here's your host, Business Finishing School founder, Rick Sapio. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Sapio, and I'm excited about our guest today, Joshua Boswell, because he embodies the type of person that we want all of you who are listening to be like. And I was telling him as we prepare, we're preparing for this podcast that uh, I had a conversation with my friend. I'm going to just call her Debbie. Uh, and Debbie was complaining that she has no time and how can I get it all done? And life is crazy. And uh, Debbie doesn't have a business, doesn't have any kids, is not in a relationship and lives alone. And it speaks to what's happening in society is we fill our lives with so much crap. You got to have Netflix. You got to binge watch that. You got to have social media. You got to respond to all the tweets and the posts and the this and the that. And we don't even realize that we could just turn it all off. So Joshua Boslow, he has a couple of kids. And uh, when I got his Christmas card uh, last year or the year before, I'm like, oh, man, they had another baby. They had their 11th child. He has 11 kids. Yeah. He has grandkids. He has a business his life could be like completely overwhelmed, but here he is taking time out of his life to teach us something. Man, so you got to add a little bit more context to that. I left them in suspense about 11 kids. I was just kidding, right? Or do you no, really have no, 11? No, we, we actually, no, you're not kidding. We actually have 11 children. They, people always ask, are there twins? No twins, all single births. And then they ask, you know, how many wives did you have to have to get to 11 children? Just one, only one married. We've been my wife, Margie, and I have been married uh, a little over 25 years as of today. And uh, today's not our anniversary, but, you know, we're so, um, yeah, people say that to me all the time. Like, how do you do what you do? And so just to clarify that, we um, I've got two different companies that I run. We've got the 11 children. I also serve in a leadership position in my church and in as a as an expression of my faith. And and that's uh, anywhere from a 10 to 30 hour volunteer position. That's not a paid position, lay position. And so, yeah, there's a lot, lot going on in my life. And people are like, well, how do you, how do you do that? Um, and so we can, we can talk some about that and how that specifically rolls out. But it's, um, it's pretty, but, it's a lot simpler than it sounds, to be honest. Well, with you. we definitely want to know about that. We want to know about your business, but just because of the audience and what they like to hear or they expect to hear, give us some nuggets that yeah. you've learned in your life, how to do it. Like how does somebody have 11 children, two businesses, a, a big spiritual life that takes time, effort, and energy. What are some nuggets that you could share? Yeah, sure. So the number one thing is, um, Years ago, I sat down and decided what was actually priority. See, most people, there's that old expression, you get caught up in the thick of the thin things. Um, and I, I learned a long time ago that the most things in life don't actually have value and they don't actually have leverage. We're just, we're running along in a stream of consciousness that somebody else has put upon us, whether that's social media, whether that's the TV, 
we think we have to, you know, we get these belief structures in our head or it's like, oh, you got to have this car, you got to do this, or you have to spend this much time at the gym or have this kind of structure or goals or whatever. And uh, I just decided a long time ago, like, well, wait a minute, what actually moves the needle? And this has been a really, really big thing for me. So I, I start off by saying, okay, what's my aspirational focus in my life? In other words, who do I want to become? And then I look at what actually, so when I, so when I look at that, I say, well, at the end of the day, that person, then I say, what moves the needle to get me closer to that? And, and, and that might not be socially acceptable. So for example, one of the things that I, one of my aspirations is I want to be the world's greatest husband and father. Well, to do that, I got to spend time with my children. So if I'm, if I'm sending my children, and this is, everyone will have different opinions about this, so I'm not imposing my opinion, but I'm just telling you how I think through it. Um, if, if, um, I, if I send my children to public school for eight to 10 hours of the day, that's going to substantially cut into my time and my ability to influence them during that time. So one of the things we decided to do is to homeschool our children for that reason, right? And so, so being able to have them at home move the needle closer to me hitting my aspiration. So I look at what my aspiration is. I look at what actually moves the needle, not, not activity, but what actually gets me closer to that aspiration. And then I simply block my time to make sure that the most important things happen first. And so I have, uh, I, I keep a sheet on my desk that just shows what my daily routines are. And before eight o'clock every morning, I've already done the, you know, 10 things that move me closer to my goals in my, in my personal life, my spiritual life my family and my business. But let's start with what time do you get up in the morning and okay. what's the process of getting uh, 10 things done before you eight, eight, before 8 a.m.? Sure. And what I, one thing I can do is share with your audience, Rick, is I have, I'll share my actual sheet and I'll share a process of how I got to it. Um, but it's just a checklist. But so I get up every morning. Uh, almost every morning I'm up by about 530 and then what I then what I do is I have a very specific routine of the things that get me closer. So, for example, one of my goals is a relationship with God, you know, my my feelings and spirituality. And so the first thing I do is I get up and I move my body for 10 minutes. So I have a stretching routine that gets me awake and, and energized. And then I pray for 20 minutes. Then I study scriptures for half an hour. So there's a there's a 60 minute block right there from waking up thing and I've already gotten four things done that are priority for me for moving my needle in a 60 minute window right mm. and, um, and and then it, and then it rolls on from there and so I have a writing exercise um, and I've got a time blocking a review of calendar it, so it's, this isn't digging into my emails or whatever but it's just looking at the things that are most important again I'll share the list with you guys but it's um, what, what I found is, is if I focus on activities that are actually have impact on creating the person that I want to become, life is actually pretty simple. There's not a lot of things that move the needle substantially and that have high leverage, high impact. And I, and I just try to focus on those things. Awesome. Okay. So what's interesting about this is uh, something that I've advocated for a long time. I'm sure you're not this type of person either. Uh, I don't bring a cell phone into my home ever. So no. when I get up in the morning, I do a routine. But what most people do is they grab that highly addictive, designed to be more addictive than heroin. Yep. That's the first thing they do before they say hi to their spouse or their kids is grab that highly addictive device. It makes absolutely no sense. But yeah. if I told 10,000 people, keep your cell phone in your car, one has done it. 
<laughs> What's your strategy for not having that infiltrate your uh, morning routine? Oh yeah, so that's a really great question. So for me, the uh, the presence of outside distraction has to be totally eliminated because none of those people. So I think about all the people on the email, on social media, on you know whatever else is coming into my cell phone or my iPad or my technology. If I ask myself the question, how many of those people have sat down and intensely thought, you know, asked this question of how do I help Joshua Boswell become the person he wants to be? What's the answer? None of them. Zero, right? And so when I'm when I'm in the process of creating my life and serving the people that I was born to serve, none of those people, those external external people have any desire to what they want from me is, is they want me to buy their stuff or be engrossed in their message or you know uh, subscribe to their philosophies none of them are going to bat to make sure that i become the person i want to become to take care of my wife my children my family my businesses etc right and so they don't get they do not have permission to come into my room as it were right and you you're the expert on this but they, they just don't have permission to come into my room into my head when i'm in that creative space i just i focus when i need to focus I love it. All right. So let me set this up, this interview. Um, anybody, and I'm telling the audience this, anybody that has 11 children and a business and another business and is homeschooling their kids, because by the way, especially these times, I see people going out of their minds, homeschooling one person. Yeah. Um, you have my full attention, Joshua. So the name of this podcast is the core mindset of success. So you have my attention, you have the audience's attention. Let's get into it. Okay. Now you know a little bit about Joshua and he's gonna just lay it all out. So what is the core mindset of success? And let's just roll it out for people. Let me set the groundwork and then tell you an experience that I had uh, almost 20 years ago. We lived in Montana and if you've ever been to Montana in the wintertime, you know that temperatures are regularly well below zero. This particular night, it was right around minus 18, maybe minus 20. And uh, I had come home late night. It was about 1130 at night. Now, to understand where I was as I was driving home from a church meeting that night, where I was at economically and spiritually and socially at that space was I had just, I had collapsed a business. Um, Collapsed we meaning you closed it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 we didn't officially file for bankruptcy, but um, we, we were, um, the company was based on some technology. We were using this company. The company went out of business, forcing us out of business because I didn't have the money to bring the technology in-house. So, um, so, but what I had done is I was really smart at that time. I had signed a personal guarantee on, a, on, a, um, on an, an investor who had invested into the company. And so I was personally in debt by a little uh, over $200,000. We had six children at the time. I've never been to college, so I didn't have like th this big long list of credentials and experience and, and whatnot to fall back on. And so, so a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. I got six kids to feed at the time. I have no idea what I'm going to do, and I still have this church responsibility. We at the time were the way we were eating. This is how bad it was. The way we were eating was the the church had a welfare program that was helping us to pay our rent and was also providing a little bit of food. And then there was a community bank, a food bank that we would get food from. That's how, that's how we were subsisting. And so wow. I was in a tough, I was in a tough situation. And so all the worldly indicators that say, look, you're successful, you're valuable, you've got what it takes, you're, you know, you're a good guy, 
remember my number one goal in life is to be the world's greatest husband and father. And now I can't provide for my family. Like, like, so all my brain is spiraling downward. Right. And so I'm in that state. I come home and I parked the car. We didn't have a, we didn't have a garage. The, so I get out before, of the car. Before you get to the punchline, before you get yeah. to the punchline, everybody listening who's glued <laughs> to the news, who's you know, focusing on all this stuff external. I bet there's not a single person who is anywhere near where you were at that point. <laughs> so how many years ago was that? Um, that would have been 18 years ago. Okay. So yeah. everyone listening, please don't underestimate or overestimate your situation because I promise you, you didn't have it as bad as Joshua did 18 <laughs> years ago. So go ahead. Yeah, so, thank you. <laughs> so so I, I, I got out of the car. I walked, instead of going in the house, I walked around the house to the front porch and I sat down on the porch and crystal clear sky. It was just beautiful. Um, you know, Montana has no light pollution. It was just gorgeous. We lived up in the mountains and, and I sat down there and I just, I started praying and I was like, God, like I I'm trying, like, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm trying to do what I should be doing. Like, and I'm losing, I'm failing. And I was just hammering on myself. I'm failing at everything, failing at being a provider. I'm failing at, you know, uh, emotionally sustaining my wife, my family. I'm failing. I was just like, and so I was, I was mentally completely distraught. And, um, and Rick, something really powerful happened to me. And that is a, an idea, call it a voice, call it an idea, whatever came to my mind. And in my mind, I pictured the house behind me. Now we lived in a, we lived in a, uh, um, an old convent. It was one great big long hall, 120 feet down with rooms on either side. And, uh, and my brain mentally went down and I started walking through each one of those rooms and uh, I could see in my mind's eye, my wife laying there in the bed. And I could see some of my other children in each of those other rooms. And I thought to myself, I thought, Joshua, you have everything that's important right now. You, you know, you've been, you're successful because of who you are. You have intrinsic, infinite worth. And no amount of money, no accolades, no position can alter that. Those are just numbers. They're just stats. They're just things that other people are imposing upon you. But you, who you are, has infinite, intrinsic value and worth. And that was a massive changing, that's a shift for me because all of a sudden, instead of like thinking I'm a loser and I'm no good and I'm terrible, I thought, oh, this is actually just a moment in time. These are just numbers. And a lot of the guilt and the pain and the shame and the frustration went away. Now, it didn't resolve the problem. Like I was still $200,000 in debt. But the core thought that I want to share with you guys, and, and there's three there's three pillars that sustain this that are a result from it that I want to share with you. Before the you get there, though, yeah. you said you said something really, really valuable. I want to make sure the audience gets this. And I would say the vast majority of people do this. They focus on what's missing. Yeah. Not what's there. Right. And even super wealthy people do the same thing. It's crazy. I don't know if that's how God made us. I don't mm -hmm. know. Because yeah. it does seem like the human condition when you turn the TV on, what's blaring in your face, what's missing, all the negatives, all the, but uh, we don't focus on what's positive, what we have, what's great. So I just wanted to throw that in because that it's a very powerful thing. 
Well, the problem was is that I had, and I thank you for that, and it was very powerful. And the problem was is I had attached my identity, my own value to my business, to all these external things. And and, and that, at the time that was missing. Exactly, but, right? right? And so and, and so here's the deal is, I don't know about anyone else listening, but here's how I respond. If I think that I'm a loser and a failure and I'm not you know, winning and I don't have what it takes and all that kind of stuff, how do I, what's my performance level like? Now, some people could say, well, you know, I'm, I'm feeling guilty, so I'm going to strive harder to win. But in my experience, the exact opposite is true. I go into a depression. I feel worse. I don't perform to my best. You know, I'm not thinking clearly, it, you know, neurologically and physiologically, it's been proven that guilt and shame and depression restrict blood flow to the brain. They restrict the, the size of the capillaries and the ARs inside of your, or the um, capillaries all inside of your lungs and sort of restricts actual oxygen flow to your whole body. Like it does not produce optimum performance in a human being. And, and, and so I had, I had created a situation where I was down and I was creating even more debt by my attitude. And as soon as I realized that that was not me, I disconnected myself from my business it gave me the freedom to actually start playing in my business at a higher performing level and experimenting with things um, and, you know, and trying new activities and, and reaching and, you know, making risks and doing things, not, not bad risks, but like, you know, like uh, if anyone, uh, so I, I make a lot of analogies to children's shows because, well, we, we watch a lot of kids stuff around here, but um there's a there's a movie called The Magic School Bus, the old old uh, cartoon series, and the main character is a gal named Miss Frizzle, and she has this expression. She's a teacher, and she says, "Look, kids, you got to get messy and make mistakes because that's how we learn. And if you're attached, if your identity and value is attached to your business success, it's guaranteed at some point a, a campaign will fail, a product won't sell." A partnership will go bad. And if your identity is attached to that, then you're just kissing yourself goodbye because you're going to downward spiral. And, and, it's, and it just completely sabotages success. And here's the problem with it. If you're plugged into your phone, if you're plugged into social media, if you're plugged into what everyone else is saying, what does the world out there tell you that equals value? It's all the external results things. Like we're being conditioned to think that our only value is attached to the car we drive, the house we live in, the money we make, the, the cuteness of our wife or spouse or whoever it is, like, like all these things are like, this is what equals you. And, I'm, and I'm, my message to you today is that is not what equals you. You have infinite intrinsic value separate from all that stuff. So let go of it all, disconnect from what everyone's telling you you should be or have to be and get focused on your real core purpose and decide that you're going to move forward in life at a, at a high level. So without realizing it, you've touched on one of the core tenets of our programs. And that is when you have a business, that business has to be separate from you. Yeah. And, and the reason is you think about people like Steve Jobs, people don't think about this, but here was a two 19 year olds, Steve and Steve, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak with zero business experience, yeah. built the most valuable company on planet earth. And the first thing they did when they started, they didn't say we're going to call it Steve and Steve. They didn't say we're going to call it, you know, SNS. They said we're going to call it Apple. You know why? Because it's separate from us. And it was separate from him so much so that Steve left, not on his own accord, and then came back. And I think we need that distance between our 
whatever the businesses that we start and ourselves. So I wanted to just say, without saying it, you brought up something that, without knowing it, you brought up something that's very core cool. to what we've been teaching. Um, but I want you to get into the meat of this because it's yeah. so cool. Um, right. So here you are and you're at the lowest point in your life and you just, you have this aha moment. So the aha, the aha moment, it, you know, is basically what it did is it emotionally it put my brain in the right capacity to start actually moving forward and doing stuff it, outside of the negative. Um, you know, anyway, I, I made the disconnect, like you said, I separated out. Now, for me, what that what that meant is, is there was three associated thoughts or belief patterns that evolved from that that I have found. So so I like to do interviews like this. Um, I recently interviewed 20 millionaires and billionaires and kind of try to dive into their thinking and what they were, uh, you know, what their beliefs were and what their mindset was and how they perceive things. And it was, it was very interesting. So it wasn't 42 billionaires like you've done, Rick, but it was very insightful and three patterns emerged. that was very powerful. So I'll tell the first one. Uh, I discovered this, or I first got the first hint of this when I read a book um, called Edwin Land's Polaroid, or I think it's called Land's Polaroid. It's a fascinating book on Edwin Land. He invented the Polaroid and he was a great inventor. And one of his philosophies was, is he said that everything we need is already in the room. So he would, he would bring in his teams. They would lock the door. They say, okay, we got this problem in, you know, in, in our business. We need to solve this. And, and, and I just believe that everything that we need is already in the room. And here's what he was saying. He was saying that the people and, the, and here's, the, here's the core thought that springs out of this, I have infinite and eternal value. And that is that I am more than enough. So whatever problem you're facing in life, whatever situation, whatever challenges, most of us, what we do is, is we look around and go, oh, I, I can't figure that out. Or I don't know, I don't know what we don't have to do that. Or I don't have the resources that, well, I'd like to start a company, but I don't know how to do it. I, you know, I'd like to spend more time. It's like the person you talked about at the very beginning is like, oh, how do you manage all that stuff? I could never figure that out. And it's the exact opposite of the belief of, oh, I've got more than enough. I, I have more than enough access. I got more than enough resources. I, there's more. And, and, you know, we live in the world of sea of information. You want to know something? Google it, for heaven's sakes. I mean, it's not that complicated to figure stuff out. Reach out to people like Rick. Sign up for program. I mean, everything's available. But you personally have more than enough. You can learn. You can grow. You can understand things, you can implement things, you can create relationships, et cetera. If you're at 98.6 and breathing, then you have everything you need to create any life that you want to have. Understood. And all of us know, by the way, our body temperature because- That's the uh, body temperature. In this, in, in this brave new world, we're being uh, asked to uh, you know, have our temperatures taken, which is insane, but don't get me started. Yeah, exactly. So, so the pillar is, I am more than enough. And what I mean by that is, you, you know, if, if you're alive and you're, and you're a functioning human being, then, then you have access to everything you need because you can make choices, you can decide what to research, you can learn things, you can grow, you can become better, you can form relationships. And what do all successful businesses take? They take a great, you know, a good idea, they take an understanding of a marketplace. They take an understanding of operations and some financial management. You need to have some kind of a mentor or coach. And, and every human being on planet Earth has access to this stuff. So you already have everything you need. You're more than enough to accomplish whatever you need to accomplish. So that's the first pillar that came out of it. And I love that. It's powerful. Yep. Yeah, it's really powerful. And the beautiful part about it is, is, is in, a part of that is, 
having enough means you're going to you're going to make mistakes for sure. Like everything won't turn out exactly the way you want it to. But you have the ability to learn to adjust to change and to grow, which brings me to my second pillar, which is very, I think is incredibly powerful. And this is one thing that shows up over and over and over again with all the high performing, high leverage, highly successful people that I interact with. And they essentially have a mantra, whether they say it in these words or not. It's the second pillar that I want to share with you. And that is, I learn or I grow, right? Notice that the word failure is not there. I call this the zero failure belief, right? Like the, the, all the successful people don't go, oh, well, you know, I'm, I, I failed miserably in this thing. It's like, oh, I got feedback. And it's that old adage of Thomas Edison, he didn't find 10,000 ways to fail. He found 10,000 ways that didn't work and he found one that did. And then that created the light bulb for us. So can you repeat that again? I So super successful people have this mindset that says I win or I grow. Right. So notice that failure is not in the conversation. Right. So they don't have it. I call this the zero failure belief structure where you're essentially looking at this and saying, I'm either winning. In other words, I'm hitting my uh, my desired objectives and ideas or I'm learning what didn't work and I'm growing. So, you know, that old adage of Thomas Edison, where he said, you know, I didn't I didn't find 10,000 ways to fail. I found 10,000 ways that didn't work and I found one that did when he was creating the light bulb. So he was either winning or he was you know, growing. That, and, that, and that was it. So learning, winning, growing, like there was no failure involved in there. And the thing that's really powerful to, to me about this is, again, if you're going to do something new. So, so if you're in a position where you're saying, look, I want to create a new business. I want to create a better relationship with my family. I want to create more spirituality, whatever it is. All of us begin at a point of origin and we're wanting to get to a new destination. Well, by nature of the journey, you have to do something new and different. And because we're human and we're fallible and we make mistakes, that means somewhere along that journey, we're not going to always hit our objectives and get the results that we want. So how do you perceive that? Do you say, oh, well, I failed, I'm gonna pack up and go home? Or do you say, oh, I'm learning and I'm just gonna keep growing? And that's what all the great success stories that I've ever read or anybody that I ever know had that same attitude. They were either winning or they're growing. And what, and this ties into number one, because this is a massive point. Most people in life, when they fail, they attribute that failure to there's something wrong with me. Yeah. When a successful person fails, they say, okay, that didn't work. And <laughs> And so I don't know if you even know you said this, you should probably trademark this phrase. You said, I call it my zero failure belief structure, belief structure, my zero failure belief structure. That's awesome. So it takes failure out of the equation. You can't even, I'm going to teach this to my kids tonight. Like there's no such thing as failure. There's only learning. Yeah. Um, and I'll share a 30 second experience because I want to move on to the third point. But um, I once had a, I once lost track of this. I had a, I had a very, very nice contract with my company and I, I did not deliver on the, the, you know, the results from the contract were not satisfactory. And I went into a downward spiral because at the time I really needed the contract, the money, and there were some key things hinging on it. And, and I got super wired up on it. And one day, Margie, my sweet wife, came to me and she said, hey, I want you to do me a favor. And I said, well, what? She said, I want you to research every company that's out there that's like the company you just lost, the contract. Like how many of these companies are out there? 
that need your service, that need what you've got. I said, well, why do you want me? She goes, just do it. So I said, okay. So I researched, I ended up there was like 120,000. <laughs> and she came to me and she, <laughs> she goes, she said, all right, do you think that you could go through all 120,000 of them and not get a better, stronger contract than what you just lost? Like, would all of them tell you no, tell you're a loser, tell you you can do it? Or would you find one of those that would be a great, you know, position, you know, great contract for you? And, and here's, and this is a side little tactic here on how to deal with um, outcomes that we don't like. And that is what happens usually is we take that outcome and we start processing it with our emotional hypothalamus, the lizard brain. And as soon as you start questioning and analyzing, it pushes it up to the frontal cortex, up to this frontal lobe here, and it gets all the emotion out of it. And you start disconnecting and seeing it for what it's really at instead of internalizing it. And that one simple question, hey, do you think that there's no way for you to get another contract with 120,000 options out there. And I was like, well, I'm not even that. Like, eventually I would figure out how to close another deal. And within a six week period of time, I had closed another contract worth 10 times what that one was worth because I was just like, oh, I'm not attached to the outcome, right? That I, I, I just learned what didn't work and I'm not going to move forward. Okay, so this brings me to my third and last pillar. And I think this is really, really important because um, my my experience with most people is that by by social conditioning and maybe it's human nature i don't know what it is but lots of people really enjoy being what i call the victim and 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 and, when, and victim i don't mean like i don't want to say that super negative although it is negative but they have a perception that stuff is always happening to them right like right now we're in a crazy um, political environment and social environment and most people believe like, you know, pandemics and politics and economics or stuff, there's all these stuff that's happening to them. And, and they essentially see themselves as what I call the consumer mentality. In other words, they see their life, their, their role in life is to absorb what's going on and then just to basically consume it, to accept it, to move forward. This is the way things are. This is the way society is. We're just going to move forward. And so my third pillar is simply this, is a mindset that I am a creator, not just a consumer. So I'm a creator. Now, the cool part about this is, is a lot of people say, well, I'm not happy. And I say, well, you're actually, you create your own happiness. You create your own courage. You create your own determination. You create your own, like, like I look at uh, Rick, I look at you, I look at your family and your, your stability and strength, your placemats that have been the same for 25, 30 years. I can't remember the exact number, but all these things that you have in your life, those didn't just like magically happen to you. You created those. You made a determination that you're going to create, produce and stick to that. And what I find is, is that a lot of business owners and a lot of family people They'll get into a marriage, they'll get into a business, they'll get into fill in the blank, whatever it is, sometimes even faith, and all this external stuff will happen to them, and then they will just react to that. And what I'm saying is, you're not a reactor, you're a creator, mm -hmm. and you get to choose what exactly goes on in your life, what your life looks like. And, and, if, and if, you, if you don't believe that this is possible, I think about Viktor Frankl, you know, man's search for happiness or meaning. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was in, he was in isolation in, in uh, the prison camps and, and the concentration camps, and he still was able to create his own mental world. Why? Because human beings are creators. 
And that's what we get to do. It's our privilege and our right. And if you don't choose to use that, then you're really running off of instinct. And, and what, you know, how does that make you different from, you know, just a tree, a tree or a dog or a cat or an animal who's basically reacting to instinct or being acted on by external forces? So Joshua, the fact that you and I are having this conversation, hopefully some of you listening will get this. I'm going to reiterate what you said. Uh, three pillars. I love them. I am more than enough. I win or I learn. So uh, the quote I wrote down, which is uh, zero failure belief system or zero failure belief structure was your exact words. Yeah. And the third pillar is I create, not just consume. Uh, awesome stuff. So let me let me get to the uh, one of the things I like to to do on these podcasts is promote people that uh, I interview. So how do people get more of you? Uh, tell everybody what you do for a living and how you could add value to their lives and how they yeah. can find you. Yeah. So my uh, my business predominantly is the science and the art of persuasion. That's really what I am involved in. So my, my website is copywritermarketer.com. And uh, essentially what we do is, is we help people in their writing, their written communication, verbal communication, uh, in their business structures, all, all through the spectrum of sales funnels, anywhere there's a touch point where they're trying to influence or persuade people, that's what, that's what we focus on helping people do better and more effectively. So um, th there's a number of resources on my site, just copywritermarketer.com slash Rick. All you have to do is remember Rick's name at the end of there and you're in copywritermarketer.com slash Rick. But I find that this is um, ideal for like, I did a training just a, a couple hours ago, as a matter of fact, with my group. And we were diving into the fact that, look, when you're a persuasive human being, it touches on every aspect of your life because every aspect of success, even though you have more than enough, it requires other human beings to be involved. If I'm gonna grow a business, I have to somehow persuade people to work for me, partner with me, uh, maybe invest money into my, it depends on what kind of structure and how you're doing, maybe invest money. I certainly have to get customers willing to buy at some level or another. And every single one of those touch points deals with persuasion, right? Build, deals with the ability to move people to take action. Joshua, listen, I love our conversations always. I very much look forward to this. I love the pillars. I'm going to incorporate them. I got something to talk to my kids at dinner about tonight. Zero failure belief structure. Any final words? Take as long as you want. Um, yeah, my, my final words are simply this, is that um, as you look around uh, in your life and in your society, the number one thing that I would love for you to do, because I, I have a couple of some additional core, I call these the core truths of my life. And one of the core truths, there's actually two twin truths here that I'll share as parting thoughts. And that is one of the core truths that I hold is, is that if there's a problem, a challenge, a difficulty, whatever it is, if there's something in my life that's not happening the way that I want it to happen, I immediately assume that I'm responsible for that outcome. Like I just, and, and, and for me, it's super empowering. Like a lot of people want to say, well, it's because of this, because I go, no, 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 no. It's because of me. Now, here's the beautiful thing about it. And this is the secondary truth. So the first truth that I'll leave with you is if there's a problem or challenge in my life, I created it because I'm a creator. So I created that problem challenge. It's because of the way I thought. It's because of whatever it is, right? I created it. I just accept responsibility for it. The second thing is if I created the problem, I can create the solution. 
And that's where it's so, that is so liberating and empowering for me because I don't have to wait for somebody else to fix it. I don't have to wait for the economy to change. I don't have to wait for the stars to align or whatever it is. So I take responsibility for the outcomes in my life. And if I created the problem, I can create the solution. And this is so you know, wonderful for me because stack that on top of everything else that we talked about today, where you are more than enough and you, there's zero failure. So we're just going to go out and try something else. And you get to create your own life, your lifestyle, and, and have the success in your family and in your faith and your finance, your world. You get to enjoy the success that you want to have. So Rick, it's been awesome being with you. Thank you so very much for having me today. I have loved every minute of it. And the final thought was great. If I have a problem, I created that problem. I'm going to create a solution. Everyone listening, please take that to the bank. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Business Finishing School podcast, where we teach you business growth simplified. For more information on Business Finishing School or their Business Growth Summit event, visit businessfinishingschool.com.